Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. On Tuesday, January 15th, I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear from a Mississippi House Republican who says he wants to expand Medicaid for the working poor. People are really getting a better glimpse and understanding of how hard it is to survive in our world today. Then another elected official is announcing a bid to run for attorney general. We've got the latest. And an education policy group in Mississippi is celebrating its 10th anniversary. We take a look at its influence on learning in the state. Plus, the latest charter school to be approved by the authorizer board is a high school. We'll hear more. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Scattered media reports of Mississippi considering expanding Medicaid may be gaining some steam. MPB's Desiree Fraser reports. Mississippi House Republican Tracy Arnold of Prentice County says he's working on a bill to create a version of Medicaid coverage for the working poor. The issue came up during a House Appropriations Committee hearing with the State Division of Medicaid. The director said hospitals tell him many people don't have insurance and he'd like to change that. Arnold says people need help. To be real honest with you, my own personal insurance on my my family and I went up to $1,900 a year. I'm in a month, January of last year. So for a whole year, I was without insurance myself. Arnold says he wants to present the measure as a Small Business Employee Benefit Incentive Act. State Republicans have not supported Medicaid expansion. Yesterday at a luncheon, Lieutenant Governor Tate Rees reiterated his opinion. I'm opposed to Obamacare expansion in Mississippi. I am opposed to Obamacare expansion in Mississippi. I am opposed to Obamacare expansion in Mississippi. I don't know how many ways I can explain this to y'all. Reeve says it's not in the best interest of taxpayers. House Democrat John Hines of Washington County is on the Appropriations Committee. He supports Medicaid expansion. People in this state are hurting, they're suffering, and uh, partisan politics has no room uh, in the total outcome of, of how people live. Governor Phil Bryan has said he's listened to those who support expanding Medicaid, but he remains against the move. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Lieutenant Governor Reeves says Mississippi tax collections are better than expected for the first half of the current budget year. But he says there is no excuse for legislators to spend, spend, spend. Reeves says he expects most state agencies will receive about the same amount of money in the coming year that begins July 1st as they did in the current year. He says he expects lawmakers to fund a request by the state pension system and to approve pay raises for teachers and state employees. 
In other news, Mississippi's state treasurer is making it official, throwing her hat into the race for attorney general. Treasurer Lynn Fitch talked about running for the office last year. She made the announcement official at the state capitol Monday, surrounded by her family. Fitch tells MPB's Desiree Frazier her legal and finance administration experience make her uniquely qualified for the office. I have been in the legal practice for 34 years. My first job, my career began at the Attorney General's office, and I am uniquely qualified for this office. I have run complex state agencies. I've been in private practice. I've been in the public sector. I have been an attorney for the legislature. So I bring the law and the policy and finance and administration all together in order to represent and serve as the Attorney General. You talked about some of the issues that you're willing to take on, and you said that you are a lifelong NRA member. Can you expand on what you want to do in that office? Well, it's important uh, to defend our, our Second Amendment rights. So, again, as we look at that, we need to be willing to protect the laws of the state of Mississippi, and so many of those engage in the Second Amendment. So, again, as a lifetime member and, and someone who is. Uh, been very involved in in the guns. I'm looking forward to continuing that and upholding our laws. One thing the current attorney general has been doing is uh, picking lawsuits out to sue companies for practices that have impacted citizens of Mississippi. Will you be following along that same trend, returning money to the legislature? Well, it's very important if you look at it from a a whole big picture. As the managing partner of the state's largest law firm, Always you're going to utilize your attorneys that are in-house. That's most effective and that's most efficient. But as in any law firm, there will be times when you need subject matter experts that you don't have within your own law firm, and you would hire outside counsel. So there may be times, absolutely, that outside counsel might be necessary to be hired. Would you become the, if uh, elected, the first female to be attorney general for the state? That's correct. To be the first female. What an honor. And are you the first female to be state treasurer? Well, Governor Evelyn Gandy was the first state treasurer, and um, then she she held that office twice because many years ago you couldn't succeed yourself, and so I have had the opportunity to serve in that capacity, but certainly looking forward to being the first uh, woman to serve as the Attorney General of the state of Mississippi. So what, how are you preparing? I know that some time ago you had unofficially mentioned that you were thinking about running. Well, as, as always, we're going to be prepared. We're, we're finishing strong in the treasurer's office, but we're looking at all the angles and the things that need to be addressed as we move into the campaign season. When will you be going out into the state to meet with people? Um, we'll be across the state for the next three days. And then, as always, I enjoy being out. I think it's important to talk to people across the state, to get feedback, to listen. And so I'll be doing that, as I've, I've done in the past as treasurer, uh, on a very regular basis. And so what is the most important thing that you want to get across to folks as you go out and campaign? Well, I am so honored to seek this office. I am very uniquely prepared to do this and to serve with trust and honor and integrity as the Attorney General. And so I'm excited about moving forward. Fitch is in her second term as Treasurer. House Republican Mark Baker of Brandon is also running for Attorney General. Coming up, an education policy group in Mississippi is celebrating its 10th anniversary. We take a look at its influence on learning in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
executive session is underway at the Mississippi Capitol, and at issue is the place to be for gavel-to-gavel coverage. Lawmakers are expected to discuss a number of issues like human trafficking, state employee pay raises, and school safety. Join me, Wilson Stribling, along with our political analysts, Democrat Brandon Jones and Republican Austin Barber, as we bring you insight on these issues and how lawmakers are handling them. At Issue airs Friday nights at 7.30 on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Education is a hot-button issue to some in Mississippi. With concerns over education funding, quality pre-K programs, a potential teacher pay raise, school testing, and a host of other issues raised at the beginning of this legislative session, what may come to pass is unclear. While the issues have been growing, so have education-related nonprofits in the state. Education policy organization Mississippi First is celebrating its growth over the past 10 years. We spoke with Executive Director Rachel Cantor about what's ahead for education in the state and for her organization. She tells us more. Mississippi First was founded in October of 2008, and we had this vision that we were going to become the state's go-to education policy organization. And in 2008, it was just me, and I was working full-time, and my partner, Sanford, was still in graduate school, so he was part-time. And we, over the last 10 years, have developed an organization that I think has met that vision. We are now the state's only independent education policy nonprofit dedicated solely to education policy across a range of issues. And I think we have met our goal of becoming widely respected and able to weigh in positively for kids on a variety of pre-K-12 education issues. Give us some examples of how you've done work that has impacted the state and the education system. Sure. So when we started in 2008, Mississippi was one of only 11 states that did not put a single state dollar into pre-K education for children. And that was one of the first issues that we worked on. We wanted to figure out what the problem was, why we had not done that. And at the time, the conventional wisdom was, it's just not possible. The state is too conservative. We'll never put state funding into pre-K. The reality was much different. The reality was that there were a lot of people, both conservative and not, who very much supported the idea of state-funded pre-K. But we had a political problem in that nobody could quite determine what part of the early childhood community should benefit from those state dollars. And so what we did when we came along was we really listened to what folks across the sector had to say. We listened to what the politicians said. And then we looked nationwide and said, well, how have people solved this problem before? And we discovered what's known as mixed delivery systems. In other words, different types of providers in a system all working together to provide services to children across the community. And that's what we developed an issue brief around in 2012. And in 2013, Senator Bryce Wickens and at the time Representative Toby Barker introduced that legislation and it was passed and funded. And so we went from people saying we will never have state funded pre-K in the state to getting a bill passed in 2013 and getting it appropriated. And that program has grown 
almost every year in the last five years. And the Mississippi Department of Education just handed out new pre-K awards. And so we have close to 20 communities now statewide that are benefiting from this program. And it's just an amazing thing to see because these children who are in these programs have the are in the highest quality programs in the country. They're really benefiting. Their communities are really benefiting. And kids are showing up to kindergarten ready. And we're really proud of being part of that. Looking ahead at this session, it's an election year, and that often means a different kind of session. Do you expect any major initiatives, legislation to come up regarding education? Well, typically in the last couple of years, the legislature has been very disciplined in the bills that they allow out of committee. And so that means we have not seen a whole lot of education initiatives of the the type and the variety we've seen over the past decade in the last couple of years. What we've seen is the legislature really focus on one or two major pieces of education legislation and try to get them passed. So last year that was they were trying to do the formula funding rewrite. I do not expect that to be on the agenda this year. They're talking about the teacher pay raise. I do think that that's going to be their main focus. The question, of course, is are they going to do both the raise in terms of the numbers in the enacting legislation and are they going to appropriate it above MAP so that school districts can afford to pay those raises? You know, I think that's going to be a big issue. There are always other things that come up during the legislation legislative session that get talked about. They may or may not get legislated about. But, you know, I think that we will see a lot of talk around school district testing, whether or not there is an appropriate response for the legislature there is very unclear. We're still learning as as much as we can learn as a state about what the true testing practices are and whether or not the solution is more around training or more around regulation as opposed to actual legislation. The Charter School Authorizer Board has approved a number of charter schools, elementary schools, but now the first high school has been approved by that board. Do legislators still have say over what they do as they move forward with school choice options? Well, the legislature always is going to have a say in terms of how the the system works because the bill, the Charter School Act, was what established the authorizer board and what allows it to have the powers that it has. So if the legislature were to come back, they could make changes to that. They could make changes to the part about what charter schools are allowed to do and not do. I think that at this moment in time, the authorizer board is functioning like an independent state agency, which what it is what it is, and it's managing the day-to-day functions of approving and overseeing uh, in terms of, you know, l- oversight for the, the charter schools. But the the legislature is always listening. We know they're always listening. And I think that in the next, probably not this year, but maybe in the next four years, we will see the authorizer board go back and say, we've had this this law for five years now. You know, this is this is year number six that we have had the, the law, even though schools themselves have not been open that long. And major, major changes might be appropriate in the next four years when we have a new legislature to look at what's been working, what hasn't been working, and how the legislature can have a say in that. But I don't expect that this year. I would expect to see something in the next couple of years if there are things that the authorizer board thinks really need to happen to make the system work better. Rachel Cantor is the executive director of Mississippi First. Happy anniversary. Thank you.
Mississippi First is celebrating its 10-year anniversary during a breakfast reception at the Capitol this morning. Listen to MPB News on all your devices. Just download the MPB public media app or tell your smart speaker, open MPB Think Radio. Coming up, the latest charter school to be approved by the authorizer board is a high school. Hear more. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's first charter high school is approved by the State Charter School Authorizer Board. The school will be located in the Metro Jackson area when it opens within the next three years. Currently, five charter schools are open in the state. One elementary and three middle schools are located in Jackson, and the state's first rural charter is an elementary school in Clarksdale. Crystal Cormack is the chair of the Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board. She tells us more about charter schools in Mississippi. So I think charter school legislation and charter school policy was designed, broadly speaking, to provide opportunities for students who are in persistently underperforming schools and districts, um, to provide them with an opportunity to um, receive a quality education in our state, which we know is possible, which we know puts kids on a much better life trajectory and has much better outcomes for both the students, their families, and our entire state. Tell us about the application process for a company wanting to open a charter school. First, let me just point out, because um, in Mississippi, all organizations who would like to apply for a charter school has to be a nonprofit organization. Um, So we have, in our law, specifically prohibiting um, for-profit companies to open or apply for a charter school. So that's the first thing. I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding about that in our state just because some other states do allow that and we don't. So for organizations that are interested in applying for a charter school in the state of Mississippi, our board has put into place an incredibly rigorous and thorough application process. And um, we're looking at three things in particular. So We want to look at their education program, their operational program, and their finance program. So one, we want to look at what kind of academic program they want to put into place that will meet students where they are, which is typically academically behind, um, get them up to speed, and then move them ahead so that they're ready for college and career. And then we look at their operational plan because In addition to providing students with an academic support system and program, um, to learn a charter school, you also have to be able to do things like order lunches and pay bills and um, make sure that school buses were on time. So that operational piece of it is also really important and is an important consideration of our application process. And then finally, we want to look at the financial plan and make sure that they have a plan that addresses the academic and the operational plan that they've laid out. And so there has to be alignment between those three pieces. Um, There has to be adequate budget and adequate resources to meet the needs of students um, that they propose to serve. And they have to um, have some, what we refer to as acceptable um, budgetary considerations and assumptions. What are the differences between a public school and a charter school in Mississippi? So charter schools are public schools in Mississippi. 
And some of the differences between what we like to refer to as traditional public schools and public charter schools have to do with flexibility around what what sort of decisions they can make at the school level. Um, so charter the, the basic premise behind chartering is that you have certain freedoms and flexibility to make curriculum decisions, budget decisions, operational decisions. Um, charter schools have a lot of freedom and flexibility within reason, but they have a lot of latitude to make decisions. And in exchange for that freedom and flexibility, um, they're held to a high bar of accountability, which means specifically that um, in order to stay open, they have to have certain outcomes um, as prescribed in their charter, which is their contract with our board that says exactly what they're going to do by the end of the first five-year period, or um, they don't get to operate. So the charter school does not have to answer to the Mississippi Department of Education? so they do in some in some ways, but in other ways they don't. But ultimately, um, the Mississippi Charter School Authorizing Board is the entity that authorizes charter schools, and then we also renew charter schools at the end of their five-year period. So we can also revoke charter schools, which means that we cancel their contract and say that they haven't met their end of the bargain or they're closed. School grades that were released for 2017 show two Ds and an F for three charter schools. How long do they have to turn that around? So those are actually um, the results from 1718. So the results from um, this year, we have one F, one D, and one C. And we actually had um, one of the charter schools was really close to being a B, which was like one point away. So we're really excited about that. We do have one D and we have one F, and we've worked with those schools, and they know they have a, a lot of work to do. Um, but they have to at least be a D by the end of their five-year term in order to get renewed. We know that they're working really hard, and we hope that they, um, you know, are able to really demonstrate some significant growth within the period of time that they have remaining in their contracts so that they can be renewed at the end of that period. How do you answer critics who say charter schools are taking away money and resources from public schools that are already underfunded? There are those that say if MAEP was fully funded, that charter schools wouldn't be necessary because the schools that are lacking in funding would have that funding. So I think that that is a really complicated issue. Um, One, we believe that all public schools should be funded in a way that will help those who are running schools serve their students well, whether those are traditional public schools or charter schools in our state. I think that we want to see our schools really well funded so that they can do the work that they have in front of them, which is really, really hard. Um, but I think for critics in our state who don't want charter schools um, to operate in I think they sort of sometimes frame it as an either-or sort of proposition that we can have fully funded schools or we can have charter schools, and actually we can have both. And I think that we can have both thriving public schools and thriving charter schools in our state. And I think that given where we currently rank nationally and internationally in terms of our academic outcomes for students, it's really important that Mississippi do everything that it can to innovate wherever it can and to see what kinds of things are successful with 
um, providing students with interventions who are academically underperforming and advancing them ahead so that they are ready for college and career and some of these opportunities out here. So I don't think it has to be an either-or proposition. I think we need to fully fund our schools. I think we need to um, have charter schools. I think we need to look at pre-K. We need to look at coding. I think we need to look at a variety of interventions that can really help our state not be toward the bottom of the national ranking, but near to the top where we know our students are capable. Now the Charter School Authorizer Board has approved the first charter high school in the state. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we're really excited to be partnering with Republic Schools on this proposed high school. It would be called Republic High School, and it um, sort of in the same vein of its existing schools wants to serve um, students, and it's founded with the goal so that their schools will prepare students to graduate from four-year college. And so we think that that's a really ambitious target, but we think it's one that's really necessary. And I think we are excited to see that they'll be offering a college prep curriculum, be focusing on building relationships and partnerships within the community, preparing students with coding. And then one thing that I really like about their program overview is they have this emphasis on curiosity and helping their students learn to really think critically, question, and innovate which um, I think is well aligned to how Mississippians have historically operated. And I'm excited to see that really be um, a core value of this school and see where it takes its students. Crystal Cormack is the chair of the Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you, Karen. Have a great day. The Authorizer Board has also approved two additional elementary schools slated to open in the Jackson area. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.